Nothing can stop us now. Did you miss me? When this baby hits 88 miles per hour, you're going to see some serious shit. Welcome, welcome everyone to episode two of Let's Slay with Swell and Jay. I'm Jay. And I'm Swell. And it is episode two. We're back again. Are, are we, are we, are we, are, are we a success yet? Are we big time? Are we, what are we? Um, We will be uh doing a live show at the White House next week. That's how meteoric our rise has been. I love it. I, I, I simply love it. Wow. Um, no, I but can... but in all seriousness, I just want to say um, the response we've already gotten for that first episode was so gracious, so lovely, almost overwhelming. So to everyone who tuned in and listened or who spread the word or who tweeted about this from the bottom of both of our hearts, thank you. Um, we are intending to do this every week for the foreseeable future, and your support is not going unnoticed. Oh, I, I you couldn't have said it any better. I, I feel like... I feel like everything that was said this past week, all of the outpouring of love and support, and we we really love you guys and we appreciate you guys. It does not go unnoticed. So we are going to talk about one thing this week, and that's Halloween Horror Nights. Now, if you've seen our first, or seen here, here our first episode, we previewed Halloween Horror Nights that last week, and now... We are going to go over what we did last weekend as we basically spent, we spent all weekend together, right? Most for, for the most part. Yeah, we did. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I fun event, obviously, before we even get into it, amazing event. Uh, I think that, I think that there's, I think that the event is getting better every single year. We're on year 32 of Halloween Horror Nights. And by the way, um, I want to point out that we all stayed at the Lowe's uh, Sapphire Falls Resort. And I just love that location. I just wanted to plug that really quick, right? Yeah, I think in the future, we're likely going to do uh, episodes where we more specifically hone in various resorts throughout Orlando. Um, but I will say that Sapphire Falls is maybe my favorite hotel in all of Orlando for so many reasons, from the service to the amenities to the pool um, we just had a fabulous weekend um, and was once again met by just really top-notch customer service. Everyone who works at Sapphire Falls, whether it be like the bellman or the concierge people at the front desk or, you know, the waiters and waitresses at the pool, everyone is so friendly, so lovely. Um, just a great experience at Sapphire Falls last weekend. I love Sapphire Falls, including Strongwater Tavern. We all love Strongwater Tavern and mm -hmm. we love it everybody that works at that resort i i've never had a bad experience there and i feel like i'm i feel blessed that every time i stay there i i it's just a top-notch run uh resort now it is diving into it i want to dive into this i don't want to wait too long i want to i want to dive right into it we had the good thing i packed my scuba gear good thing you packed your scuba gear we're just gonna dive right in i i feel like we have to start off by discussing the strongest part of Halloween Horror Nights this year, and that would be the houses. The houses are amazing this year. 10 houses, 10 houses, all unique in how they present themselves, how they how they reach out and grab you. 
I feel like this is one of the strongest years of houses in quite a while. Would you not agree? I do agree. Um, you know, and obviously if you listen to our first episode or you know me at all, I've been to many, many, many years of horror nights. Um, and so there's like two ways to think about a year is a year as good as its best house, or is it more of like an average, like what is the overall quality of the houses? And I tend to go with the second option. And with that in mind, I think the overall quality of the 10 houses this year is so, so strong. Um, definitely the strongest since pre-pandemic. Um, if not, I know that there's been some discussion that this might be the strongest year since Halloween Horror Nights 25. Um, and I am not disinclined to disagree. I I think... Did that make the, sense? Disinclined Yes, yeah, disagree? absolutely. Oh, no, absolutely. I think... It's a these, double negative. No, I mean, I mean, there's there's nothing... There's nothing about the event that you're like, I, I said it on last week's episode, I believe. I mean, we use the phrase all bangers, right? All bangers. Yeah. And it, it's hard not, it's hard to articulate how good the event is this year. And we're really going to try to do that for you. And, and what I want to do to try to center our discussion is I want to talk about, and I know you had posted on Twitter about this and other social media channels, uh, I believe Instagram as well, maybe uh, about your top four houses. And, and what what really grabbed you as far as the presentation and what spoke to you. So what I'd like to do now is like have you kind of dive in and I want to know what your top four houses are and why. Okay, um, I can absolutely do that. Uh, one of the things I want to mention, uh, and this might illuminate what my process is when really sitting down and, and deciding what my favorites are, is I, I love Halloween Horror Nights because I think each house has its own goals that it wants to accomplish. And it's really thrilling to see how they can accomplish that goal, right? So I think some people go to Halloween Horror Nights and just want to be scared. And to them, the best houses are the scariest ones. And that's valid. But I don't think each house is trying to be the scariest house. I think some try to be funny. Some try to be more gory. Some just try to put on a show and have amazing sets. And, and they don't focus on the scares as much. And I think there's validity to all of those approaches. And so with my top four houses this year, I think they do a really good job of illuminating how it is that these different houses can have different approaches. So I'm going to start right up. I dropped something. I'm so sorry. That's just embarrassing for this podcast. <laughs> um, okay. I'm going to start at the top and work my way through my top four. Does that sound sure. good? Yeah, absolutely. Okay. So by a good margin for me, my favorite house this year is Oddfellows Twisted Origins. Um, this is a tent house and I think it makes incredible use of the space they have in the tents. Um, this reminds me of some of the like absolute banger classics of old school horror nights. We have this this icon character that the event has put the majority of its focus behind. It is it is giving Oddfellow his own house where we can explore where he comes from, what his goals are, why he is the way that he is. And this house just has it all. The design inside is so inventive. It's claustrophobic, which I love. There's a lot of tight corners, whether it's using fabric or clothes, or there's this one corridor where you're like walking through giant hanging stuffed animals. Um, it has animatronics in there, and it also has incredible jump scares. Um, if you don't like clowns, 
you might want to stay away from this house because it leans really, really heavy in on the clown and the circus theme. But I found it so magical and nightmarishly beautiful. And it leads to this incredible room towards the end where Oddfellow is sort of on a throne almost with all these neon green lights. This house just hit everything I want from a Horror Nights house. And uh, I cannot wait to see how it evolves throughout the season. I I I will tell you about that house is that it really freaks me out because uh, creepy clowns um, kind of get to me and uh, it it definitely does bother me. So just I'm echoing, re, you know, reiterating what you said. If you if you do not like clowns, if clowns scare you, that's not the house for you. Yeah. And uh, there I will say there are not just characters as clowns in the house. There are like clown puppets. There are some clown animatronics. It goes strong in on the clowns. Um, all right, so my second favorite house is Universal Monsters Unmasked. Um, we talked a little bit about last week about how whenever this event does a Universal Monsters house, it tends to be a banger. That is no different this year. I'm not really interested in comparing if I think it's as good or better than last year's Monsters house, because um, it is really its own thing. But this house blew me away with the sets from, from the entrance facade where there is a police officer warning people on a very high platform about what's going on in Paris and there's thunder and lightning going on and they even simulated like a misty rain I knew we were in for a treat and I think this house is an incredible storytelling house it is so clear as you walk from room to room that it's telling this story of these different monsters loose in Paris um, the twist on the Phantom of the Opera is horrifying some of the faces that the Phantom wears in this house are really really scary and i like how it used these grand lavish theater sets um and then we get the invisible man and that section has some of the most inventive scares i've seen at horror nights in a minute um and then we get on to the, the hunchback and there's a bungee scare in this house as a triple scare it's just it's a banger again we're going to keep using that word because i really think they knock so many out of these parks lovely word <laughs> the the size and scope of the sets the inventiveness and relentlessness of the scares like there are some houses this year where there are moments to breathe i don't think there's a moment to breathe in monsters unmasked like every second there's something happening there's really good distractions um, I love a good distraction where, oh, what's this? It's really interesting. I'm looking over there on the right or up. And then this character comes at you from a totally different area that your attention wasn't even on. I got got a couple of times in this house and it was really thrilling. Um, so yeah, just Monsters Unmasked is really awesome. Great too so far. So let's let's move on to number three. What's number three for you? So my number three house is what I think is by a significant margin, the scariest house this year. And that is Blood Moon. Um, this house knocked my socks off, right? I, I thought it sounded interesting. I wasn't particularly hyped one way or another for it. Um, and this house is such an incredible surprise. Um, in some ways, actually, it might be this year's Dead Man's Winter's Wake because the set that they built in that soundstage at the front of the park is stunning. It has volume to it. It uses reflection really beautifully. It has this bell tower set piece that you can see from multiple angles in the house. And one of the things that this house's scenic design did that blew me away is it uses negative space and, in fact, other guests in the house to make it feel like you're in a town. So, like, you'll come around a corner and then you'll make a left and you'll start walking a different direction. But then if you look 
you can see people at an earlier point in the house walking and the way that the set has been designed, it looks like different buildings in an old town. And it's just such a really, really brilliant way to build this space. But the scares in this house, it, the way it uses mannequins, the way it uses gore, the way it uses what I like to call corpsecopias, um, it's just Corpsecopias, TM, is just really, really beautiful and scary. And it just, it's a slow burn. And by the time you get towards the final scenes, like there's this scene in a chapel that is both stunningly beautiful and one of the scariest Horror Nights uh, rooms I've ever experienced. Just awesome. Um, and then at number four, this is a house that is not very scary. I'm going to say that right up the front. If you are looking to be scared, this house has a couple jumps. That's not what this does. This house is dueling dragons and this house is just fun and nostalgic and it has these beautiful, beautiful facades and set pieces. And as someone who loves the fantasy genre, this really feels like as close as we might ever get to like a Lord of the Rings or Game of Thrones house at Horror Nights. You have these like fantasy characters and you have these wizards and you have pieces of a castle. And it also, the the house does a really good job of in some ways rebuilding what the old cue for dueling dragons looked like there are like set pieces and moments where i felt like i took a time machine back to the early 2000s and was about to ride dueling dragons um i also love and we talked about this a little bit last week but now that we've seen how it unfolds the ending is a choose your own adventure there are different paths you can take and then even within those paths different endings that can happen and I think that's really fun, really cool. Like when you and I went through the house, uh, we went different ways. We did. We did. Um, and, and then we could compare notes at the end, which was really cool. Which so was again, awesome. Awesome. And I, I think it's going to be cool to see as the event goes on how they might play up those two different sides more and more. So as I said, not a scary house. And I know some people didn't like it because of that. And that's fine. That's their opinion. But in so much as each house can try and achieve different things, I think for what Dueling Dragons set out to do, it, it it's fantastic. And those ah, are my four favorites. As of they, right oh, now. man, they're all, all fantastic houses. And what I'm going to do with my four, since, since it's my turn to go, is I'm not going to uh, kind of delve into the ones that you kind of already went over. I may add something to, but I have okay. two, I have two of your four on my list. Okay. So, so my list will diverge just a little bit, but not, you know, not too much. I will say that Blood Moon is my number one house right now. Oh. I, I think that house blew me away. And guess what? I will readily say it was kind of at the bottom of my list coming in. I knew nothing about it other than the brief blurb they gave us about the story and the background of the house. But the sense of scale is, is, uh, triumphant i would say mm -hmm. the the bell tower as you as you spoke to the church itself i the chanting the chanting like the 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 the, the chanting of the slow of the of the like basically like the like the scriptures basically of what these people believe all of it is very haunting and the outfits are also haunting and i i really love blood Moon so much it has a chokehold on me right now and i it's right now it's my favorite house. This list can change throughout the season based on performance and how things evolve in the event. That's the we said last week that's the great thing about the event is that the event is always evolving. Performers are getting better. Groups of performers working together start to start to evolve and change and and make even greater art. So 
maybe this list changes at the end. I don't know. But right now, Blood Moon has a chokehold on me. And I love going in that house every single time. I get giddy every single time I enter that church. The mannequins you mentioned. I think everything about this house has the potential for people to be saying at the end of the season that it's the best house of this season. I don't disagree. I, I, I just, I love that house so much. I also did have monsters unmasked on my list because of the opening scene, as you talked about, and just the relentless nature of that house. The scares just keep coming. And the scares are not just standard scares like blind spots or misdirection. There's a bungee scare, as you said. There's there's the classic triple scare. There's There's so many great set pieces there as well. And I... I feel like we've been on a tear with Monsters Houses where every year they're phenomenal. So I, this is just another one, another notch in the belt, as they say. So Absolutely. My, my two differing ones, my two differing ones, and it, it especially this next house I'm going to discuss took me multiple runs to really appreciate and love this house is Darkest Deal. Mm-hmm. Dar- Darkest Deal I'm a sucker for a narrative-driven house. And the narrative is so strong. The story that they are telling from room to room is so beautiful almost that I forget that I'm in a haunted house sometimes. And then the scares come. They're actually jarring to me because I'm just looking at the beautiful beautiful work that's been done to bring this to life. And I just love every single scare actor in that house is really going for it. Every single person that... From from the from Pine Straw, the musician, to everyone in that house is just really I, I can't say it enough that that is a passionate cast. That is a yeah, very I, passionate cast. I, I don't disagree with you at all. Uh yeah. Darkest Deal would have been next on my list. And I think it's a house that is such a great storytelling house. Um and the fact that it didn't make my top four, and I still think it's that good this year, man. There's just Oh, there's so many good houses. So many. There's so many good ones. It's hard to pick. No, what's really beautiful is I've been going through a lot of people's lists on uh, Twitter, Instagram, um, TikTok, people talking about what they think their top four, top five, or their top 10 are. Everybody has different lists based on what resonates with them. And I think that's beautiful in a way. I agree. Yeah. So um, not, not every house has to be it for everyone. And everyone has different tastes. And this event succeeds when it caters to multiple tastes i agree oh i wholeheartedly agree and i think that it's a it's it's so amazing this year that everybody gets something and everybody feels something out of the event and everybody gets to walk away saying this was my thing this this house was my house this scare zone was my scare zone this spoke to me and i i think that's i think it's tremendous and and universal should be praised for that every single scare actor op ops person everybody that's working this event it's it's we're only we're only a weekend and we're already having this all timer as they as they would say. Absolutely. I, I I will say I will sum up my top four list. This one may be a little um a little maybe on the nose, a little cliche. People will say, oh, well, maybe he would pick that because because of the property it is. But I'm going with Stranger Things. And I will tell you why. It's because it's because of two things. One, the sets themselves are gorgeous every scene they recreated from that show is utterly gorgeous every every single one of them i was my jaw was open the entire house i i just think that the the art 
that they've created to bring that to life is is hauntingly beautiful. I I I'm a big fan of the show, obviously. I'm maybe not as big fan as some people are, and they know all the ins and outs of the characters, but I do watch the show. And I felt like it was a faithful rec- recreation of what we saw in season four. And I would also say, on the other hand, second part of that is the performances. There are so many great performances and so many great scenes in that house. I, I feel like that should be called out as well. So I'm really going with Stranger Things. It's it's easy to say Stranger Things. It's, it's Look, the last couple of nights has been the most popular house. I've been there most nights, and it's the longest wait. It's the one people want. People are, I mean, the line the other night was like two hours long. You know, people are lining up for Stranger Things. They love Stranger Things. But the house is phenomenal. I, I, I love that house, and I can't wait to run it 10 more times this season. So Stranger Things rounds out my top four. Okay, okay. I mean, listen, I, I thoroughly enjoyed the Stranger Things house. Um, Like we keep saying this year, they're all, for the most part, really darn good. Mm-hmm. I'm maybe not as I as you are on Stranger Things, um, I agree on the performances, and it does do a really good job of capturing a lot of the show. Uh, particularly, the scenes in the Upside Down are really stunning, mm-hmm. um, and I think the house used projection backdrops really interestingly in a way I haven't seen many other houses over the years use, and they really help establish a sense of scale and scope. Um, you know, when you have this giant, almost IMAX size screen with images on it and then set pieces and then actors, it really does a good job of making you feel like you're in those moments. I'm I'm also a sucker for any scene in a house that I am in between a battle of of either one, two, multiple characters. Take your choice. I love anything where I'm in between a battle of characters, a battle of wills, good versus evil. I like looking across the hall and seeing seeing like i liked in last year's halloween house i like the laurie strode michael myers closet scene yes there is a there is a scene like that in this house that actually got me really well yeah um because in its own way it's kind of a double scare uh and i was distracted by one of them didn't see the other one coming and it got me pretty well i love it i love it i love it yeah so like we said something for everyone this year something to love And of course, we would be remiss if we didn't bring up the scare zones of talking about scare zones this year and how scare zones kind of coexist in this space and kind of have all their own flair. So what I want to talk about is what is your favorite scare zone out of the out of the the ones that that are there? Well, first of all, I will say my least favorite scare zone was the giant horrific storm that met us at about 545 on opening night. Terrifying. Terrifying. Ter- no, legit legitimately, there was a boom of thunder that was so loud that scared me more than anything else we experienced at Horror Nights. It, like my my chest like skipped a beat. It was so loud. It it I like I broke my umbrella. It broke so, my umbrella. Uh to everyone who was there opening night who got like I had an umbrella and I still got soaked because the wind was so strong. Like that storm was awful. Um, and to anyone who like powered through and stayed and still had a great time, like it was both a miserable and also one of those like kumbaya-esque experiences where like we were all in the shit together, um, like bringing out our socks after the storm had finished, soaked from head to toe. And I think that made it really memorable, even though in the moment it was painful. Very painful. Very. It hurt. Um but anyways, uh, I think my favorite scare zone is BAMP 69. Um, I love it. The vibes are immaculate. The songs are fun. And I think my favorite thing about it is 
there's a lot of times where these characters blend in so well with people that you just don't see them coming. It's like this musical music festival. They're wearing clothes from the late 60s, which in many cases don't look all that different from stuff people are wearing now or, or especially the way people are dressing up for Horror Nights. Um, I love vampires. Um, there's some really fun set pieces and scares. You have the concert, but just the vibes, man. Like it sort of becomes like a dance party, but like a creepy dance party. I love Vamp 69. It, it's so great. Vamp 69 is is pretty amazing. I, I The one thing I'd like to point out about Vamp 69 is that it's a whole different performance between if you catch it during the daytime and the night. You you can definitely notice different details from from day to night. And it's not lost on me that some performances that you see of wandering street characters are very um they're very present during the daytime hours. And at night, there's whole there's there's other things that I really like really stand out to me, whether it be the characters chasing each other with a crowbar or like a lead pipe or begging for help. There's so much there and you nailed it. I think that Scare Zone is great. I would say for me, what I'm going to go with is Dark Zodiac. Uh, uh, I love Dark Zodiac. It's it's in the Hollywood section of the park in front of the Five and Dime. Dark Zodiac is, I keep using the word haunting, frightening. Seeing all the signs out there, I'm not a big astrological guy, believe it or not. I'm not. People ask me, well, what's your moon sign? I I don't know. I don't I don't know. I don't follow it. But I will tell you, I'm I know that my sign is I'm an Aquarius. And I have started to seek out the uh, uh Aquarius character every time I'm there. I'm I'm going to find the Aquarius character, everything, and he is a little gremlin man and a hooded gremlin man, and I love that hooded gremlin man. And I go seek him out every time and I'm like my gremlin and we take photos and, and it's, it makes my night. So dark Zodiac with the chainsaws, they're boiling a guy alive there. Aries is boiling a guy alive. I, I just love dark Zodiac with the, where the street is pitch dark. There's a lot of fog and these creepy characters are kind of crawling through the mist and can come up on top of you. And I just, there's something I love about that. Something I love about them staring over my shoulder. So that's uh, fine, but I I agree. Listen, Dark Zodiac would be my second choice. It's definitely the creepiest and scariest scare zone. Chainsaws always get it done, and the costumes that the chainsaw people are wearing in Dark Zodiac, where you can't see their face at all, really creepy. Um, and all like you're saying, all the design elements of the different characters. Like, uh, I was half joking and half serious that some of them look like villains from one-off power rangers episodes in the 90s oh they totally do and that's like actually a compliment right i was gonna say please keep in mind i am saying that as like the highest compliment yes right like just so inventive so kind of kooky crazy but in the most fun way um there's this bit it's an animatronic bit of i think you mentioned the guy being boiled alive where his head comes up and down and up and down that's so so cool yes um and some really beautiful uh, stilt walkers and costumes as well. I love it. Love it. Love it. Love it. Yeah, love it. So with that being said, is there anything at the event that we are, that we were partaking in over these over the weekend that maybe surprised you? Maybe you didn't expect? Was there anything that you were kind of like, hey, I didn't expect this from the event? Or maybe there was something that you had downplayed that that kind of took your breath away? Um, well, we talked about this a little bit already. Certainly, Blood Moon was 
the most pleasant surprise considering something from the event that I wasn't really anticipating um, really kind of blew me away. Um, but otherwise, I think the cohesiveness of the storytelling in the scare zones and some of the houses, like, you know, it's it's one thing to say, yeah, Oddfellow is there and his, his um, presence is going to be seen throughout the event. Uh, but they really nailed that. And I think that is part of why I like this year so much is it really does feel of a purpose. That's, All that's of the a, scare... That's a great Go way ahead. of putting it. That, no, that's a great way of putting it. Go ahead. Of, of a purpose. It's great. Of a purpose. Like all of the scare zones have Oddfellow in one way or another. And it's fun in the ones where it's less obvious to pick out who you might think Oddfellow is. Um, and I think even apart from the Oddfellow house, whether intentional or not, there are like subtle little nods to him in other houses or elements that might be influenced by him. Kind of like a hidden Mickey, but hidden Oddfellow throughout the event. Um, and I think the way they use like the Zodiac and mystical iconography um, on the T-shirt logos, on various like trucks that are in different scare zones, on different signage throughout the park, it just really felt feels thoughtfully done in a way where some years feel more of a mishmash. Still super enjoyable, but there's no like cohesive through line. And I think this year they really nailed the cohesive through line in a way that is exciting reminds me of like the halcyon days of horror nights like 10 15 years ago and also makes me excited for uh future iterations of the event because normally when they come back to an icon like this the next few years also have icons so hopefully they will continue with that every year is a cohesive purpose i love how they're playing with storytelling i think i think it's i think it's i think this is a very it's a very cohesive year but it's also a very experimental year right where they're trying to show us something they're trying to show us something that look here is the cohesive through line as you said and here is here's where we're kind of playing playing in those margins and then as we go forward i think people are going to expect us from other icon years i i think okay. that you're going to build an expectation and that's a good thing that's a good thing that's a that's an amazing thing to 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 um to have i would say for me you did such a beautiful job uh, explaining that. I, I, mine is a lot more simple. Um, people know, most people that know and follow me on social media know that my, my biggest surprise last year was the backpack skeleton. That I <laughs> loved the, but we know how much I love the backpack skeleton. And I came into the event this year looking to be surprised by another character that I could fall in love with, that I could, that would resonate with me. And that I could feel some kind of kinship with in a way that I could say hi to every night, uh, cheer for, praise. And I'm happy to tell you that I have found that character. Uh, the char roll, please. The character is the giant bat on stilts in the shipyard scare zone. Patricia. Patricia. Oh my I God, Patricia is everything. Patricia, Patricia, Patricia is the moment. Yeah, um, she is. She is not a moment. She's the movement. She is the movement. All hail Patricia. We love, we love the giant like, bat on stilts. Patricia can step on my neck any night. Step on our necks, Patricia. I love it. I love it. I've that was... already, I've already seen amazing fan art of Patricia on Twitter. Uh, if, if we don't, if we don't, if we don't release Patricia t-shirts, what are we doing here? What I, are I don't we, know. We what, really are we, what are we doing? I want... I want Patricia in 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 the uh in the dead coconut. 
one night. Mm. I, I just, you know, I I love Patricia. So that was mine. And we should a make whole... a, a cover of Mambo Number no. Five, but every name is Patricia. It's, it's just Patricia. Patricia. Yeah. Like we'll eventually have like sixteen middle names for her. So yes. that's I'm I, I can't wait to 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 cheer Patricia throughout the season. So if you are listening to this and you and you are the character that plays Patricia, we appreciate you wholeheartedly. Yes, absolutely. And so I want to like, we can't do Halloween Horror Nights. We can't discuss Halloween Horror Nights unless we discuss the other big staple of these events, which the menu of food and drink has grown over time. Mm -hmm. And in a good way. I mean, they, the things, the, the things that they're offering, uh, are are there's wide ranging for a, a bunch of different palettes and i kind of wanted to just briefly touch on that and and ask you if there was something that maybe resonated with you that you thought was a can't miss yeah so there is one specialty food item that i i had a couple different ones but there is one that i thought was so great that i would stand in line for again that hits a lot of, of notes i like and that is the hellfire club Ooh. Um, this is a Stranger Things themed sandwich. It has meat, cheese, it has like a cheddar jalapeno bread. Um, it has some fruit element in it to cut the spice a little bit. I love a good club sandwich. Like if you go and there's like a triple decker or or just any sort of deli sandwich, and I think this is a really, really good sandwich in that realm. A lot of good flavor notes that blend well together, really hearty. Like I only had half of it. I shared it with someone and I still felt full afterwards. Just a really damn good sandwich. I think I think the uh the 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 fruit that was mixed in there, I think it's some kind of chutney, like a pineapple chutney, if yeah, I remember yeah, correctly. Chutney, I think yeah. you're right. Yeah. I all I'm hearing is about this sandwich. And by the way, I haven't had it yet, but I watched a, a friend of mine eat it just last night and it looked like the greatest thing ever. So I'm definitely going to have to have this sandwich now. I, I keep hearing that it is just mouthwateringly delicious. So it, it was, I was really, because with all honesty, like I normally find the Horror Nights food to be like really inventive on paper and then kind of a little disgusting when you eat it. Yeah, um, absolutely. And this sandwich was just really damn good. Now, I appreciate that you mentioned a food item because I'm going to mention a drink item. Great. My my drink item is the Salt Lake City coffee from the Sting Alley Ooh, booth. Okay. I think that drink in a good way is going to be trouble this season. It is basically what would be described as a modified espresso martini. And it's basically put in a 20 ounce blinky cup and it's basically alcoholic iced coffee. And if you like iced coffee and you like alcohol, um, it's right up your alley. I, I know what I'm drinking on Friday the 15th. I had it the other night and now it's all I can think about. And I and I think I will start off my evenings as soon as 6 p.m. hits and the and the gates open and all the booths are open. I'll be heading to Sting Alley to get that coffee. It's mm. it could probably use it's got a little vanilla taste to it, which is great. But I also think I'm like, should I just like sneak in my own little thing of oat milk? It could deal with like a little Ooh. bit of oat milk I'm, or, or almond milk. Like I almost should sneak in my own oat or almond milk, you know, like clandestine, you know? <laughs> I think you <laughs> and should. Put, put it in the drink. Yeah, contraband, you know? I I really love that drink. I haven't got a chance to, had a chance to really try um, a lot at the event. It's mostly drinks that I've tried. I've tried a few food items, but that coffee is the one that stands out to me and will be something that I go back to consistently all season. So 
go get the coffee. You're going to get the coffee. We're going to have the coffee together when you come back down this week. Coffee right. time, you know? Um, and that, so we went over pretty much the entire event. We've kind of given you a preview into everything you can experience at Universal's Halloween Horror Nights 32 this year. I want to close it out by talking about, and just being, again, this podcast is about being uplifting, honest and uplifting, and talking about talking about good subjects and building people up and building organizations up, whether they be uh, an organization of two people, whether it be 200 or 2,000 people, and trying to be constructive in how we talk about these things. So with that being said, I want to propose to you, are there any areas that you think that could where the event could probably improve? Um, yeah, so there is one thing in particular that I noticed, and I fully understand this is very much in the line of first world problems. But for what it's worth, uh, the event does sell express passes. These are not inexpensive and they allow people who can afford it and for whatever reason they have want to you know, skip the line. Now that doesn't mean you're going to always go right and walk on, but I think they estimate it'll normally be at most 15 to 20 minutes. Uh, they pulse the standby line and the express line differently so that there is a fair switch back. And so the express people who did pay for it are not waiting as long. I understand fully that Friday night opening night was a mess because of the storm we talked about. Um, and it seemed to me that a lot of the scanners, so when you have an express ticket, at first you just show it at the front gate and then somewhere, usually two thirds or so of the way into the line, you get your ticket scanned so that they can 100% authorize that you are meant to be in that line okay. so it did seem like some of those scanners were having real issues because they were so wet from the rain and they had not dried out enough to work properly that's unfortunate that is unfortunate and that is not something you can really blame the event on but the way i did see it manifesting itself in is there were some express lines opening night that took 45 minutes to an hour and in mm. fact, in one or two cases, almost seemed to be going slower than the standby line. Wow. By Sunday night, this already felt drastically improved to me. That's great. Um, and I will say, uh, we were waiting in the standby line for Yeti. Um, and it was taking a really long time. There would be like 10 or 15 minute periods where we just wouldn't move at all. And I think that becomes really frustrating just from a level of perception where you see the standby line next to you is moving and you and the express line are not moving at all because they're taking so long between pulses or the scanner wasn't working. So they weren't letting people through um, this one guy, like four or five people in front of us handled it in such the wrong way. Um, he was yelling at every single team member we came across in line, screaming about, who do I talk to to get a refund? This oh, is no. horrible, blah, 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 blah. Oh, and no. I was so embarrassed by his behavior that I was, once I came up to the team member, he had yelled at, sort of like apologizing and saying, I can assure you that we don't all feel this way. Ignore him. He's just being a jerk, blah, 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 blah. All the while, like to a very small percentage, understanding his frustration but that is certainly not the way you should handle it. But like I said, it seemed by Sunday night, like they had already started to, to figure this out and fix it and find the balance better. But I did a little research and it does seem that that was a pretty prevalent uh, issue on opening night. And I know that they will just learn from it going forward. Oh, for sure. I noticed that op op operations had improved from Friday to Sunday significantly. 
I think that it's the event is finding its footing. It seems to get better through the season. I normally, if anybody follows me on social media, they'll hear hear me talk. And by the way, Swell talks about this as well. It's talking about uh, accessibility. Um, the accessibility programs at Universal could really use some work. There were very long lines opening night to deal with accessibility, considering that they're dealing with a new program. We could have a whole episode on accessibility. I don't want to sit in this section and talk about it a lot, but there's definitely improvements that can be made in the area of accessibility of how passes are doled out, what kind of passes are doled out, what is the, one of the most basic things that I would touch on is that I noticed is Universal's giving out paper accessibility passes, which were ruined in a torrential downpour. Rather than having multiple customer guest service positions open around the park, they were only operating in the front and telling people with accessibility issues if their pass got wet or was illegible anymore to walk or to get themselves back to the, if if they have like a mobility issue or what have you, to get back to the front of the park to get another paper pass was kind of upsetting to me at the time. Uh, I think this will get better over time. I've talked directly um, to people this week that have addressed the issue or worked on the issue. And I believe that Universal is going to be proactive on this and and be better in the future. But it's definitely an area where they could approve right now. And I think that it's a really sensitive area because there's a lot of people that that need accommodation that maybe don't feel like they're getting the proper accommodations and that maybe the company's not listening to them. So I just want to bring that up. I don't want to be, I don't want to delve. I don't want to be negative. I, I just want to say that that's probably an area where they could work a little more. You know what I'm saying? I do know what you're saying. You know, mm -hmm. I, I was sort of there when, when an incident you were talking about happened. And mm -hmm. the only thing I will say is when the entire intent of a program is to be accessible, telling someone they have to walk two miles to the front of the park is not in any way, shape, or form being accessible. I agree. I agree. Um, you know, there seems to me that there are some really simple ways they can fix this problem going forward. If they're going to continue using the paper passes, those things are fragile, especially if they're wet. So even if like a team lead at, at every house or every area of the park had re potential replacement passes in their pocket that they can hand out, um, or if they just had a guest services uh, booth open in the back of the park, you know, there's that one by men in black that's open during the day. Maybe you should continue to keep it open during horror nights because your park is packed and busy and to tell someone that they have to go all the way to the front of the park and maybe wait in another 45 minute line is not in my view being accessible. I agree. But it, it should be a learning experience uh, for the park and you know, hopefully we move be, forward. Yeah, hopefully we move forward and it's just constructive criticism and things improve. Exactly. So there we are. Halloween Horror Nights 32, our review in a nutshell. I'm sure we'll be talking about this for weeks to come. We will we will reach back. We will check in. We will talk about different experiences. I'm sure it'll be interesting to revisit this in several weeks as we get closer to the end of the season. By the way, Halloween Horror Nights 32 at Universal Orlando goes until November the 4th if you were thinking about going. I think we will revisit this multiple times throughout the season to see how our lists have changed, our interests I'm sure have changed. We will. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So I really appreciate everybody that's tuned in today. That's pretty much our episode. I want to kind of preview next week before we kind of wrap this up and, and say goodbye. And by the way, 
if you need to find us, we are on social media. I am Aesthetic Puppet on Twitter, X, whatever you want to call it, is my primary method of communication. But I'm also Aesthetic Puppet on TikTok and Instagram, and you can find me there. And Swell, where we can, where can we find you? Uh, on Twitter, I am at Cinemaxwell, and uh, I have a link tree in my bio there where you can find everything else. Because unfortunately, other people had stolen Cinemaxwell on other platforms, and they don't even use it. Upsetting. Upsetting. There's only one, there's only one Cinemaxwell in my heart, and that's you. <laughs> that that is you. That is you. That is you. So next week, let's talk next week. Let's talk next week. We are going to have three subjects instead of one. Ooh, I like that. I like the sound of that. Little triple threat next week. We're going to cover a bunch of different things. Now, bear with us here. We are going to do a review of the brand new horror film, The Nun 2. Ooh, exciting. Exciting. But then we're going to make a little jump. And we're going to do a review of The Journey of Water, inspired by Moana, that they're putting, that are opening at Epcot. Ooh, and after you do that, I'm going to do a little review of this year's Mickey's Not-So-Scary Halloween Party. Ooh, I haven't been, so, so I'll be asking you the questions and you'll be telling me what's Yeah, and I, I have happening. not seen Moana. Uh, I've seen the, the movie. I haven't seen the new attraction, so I'll get to interrogate you about that. Oh, I love it. I love it. So that's been our episode this week. Again, we really appreciate everyone that tunes in and listens to us, and it gives us love on social media. We we greatly appreciate all of you. So for this week's episode, I'm Jay. I'm Swell. And let's slay. Let's slay. And don't forget to hydrate. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs>